been the sunshine in northwest Wales at RAF Mona, just up the road from Clanbyde, Pushgwingish, Gogedekwindrovo, Clantisilio, Gogogoch. The temperature got to 21 Celsius at 70 in Fahrenheit. <laughs> Is that a real place? I'm honestly not sure, but this is a real show and I'm a real host named Dave Rubin. You are watching The Rubin Report and we've got another Friday Roundtable extravaganza for you. Joining me today are the co-hosts of the Chicks on the Right podcast, Miriam Weaver and Amy Jo Clark. Ladies, welcome back to the show. Hello. Hello. Uh, Great to be here. It's good to be with you guys. You know, you've been on a couple times before, but I want to discuss this this nickname situation with you guys because you don't always go <laughs> by your real name. So can we explain these nicknames? Amy Joe, maybe you want to throw it out there first for me. Well, we started having nicknames when we when we started our our website, gosh, back in 2009 because we knew that we would probably get harassed being conservative women because you know, people tend to not like conservative women. And so we also worked in corporate America at the time. So we we're like, we need to have monikers. And so I picked Daisy because it was just easy. I have a, a tattoo of a Daisy on my hip. And so that was just an easy thing to pick. And so I picked the, I picked the name Daisy and it stuck. And you thought that would provide some force field from the hate somehow by calling <laughs> yes. yourself Daisy. That's yes, interesting. Completely, yes. We've been completely protected from all the hate. We've never faced hate, <laughs> right. Dave, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Miriam, or should I call protection. you Mock? Yeah. <laughs> you can call me either one. And actually, my name is short for Macarena, which came from a website that I had way back in the day, which was dedicated to mocking pop culture, celebrities, politics, all of it. It was called the Mock Doc. And I'd asked my husband before we started the site, what should my name be if, it, if that's the name of the website? And, and he said, how about the Macarena? And I was like, <laughs> I love that. And it stuck. <laughs> and the rest, the rest is history. Well, one of the reasons I love you guys, and it'll, this will be a good segue to the top of the show and the first story, is that, as you just laid out, like you happen to be conservatives, but one of the things that people seem to think about conservatives is they're mean, they're angry, all of this stuff that is just simply not true. And you guys are joyful warriors in all this. So let's start with a less than joyful warrior who's on the other side of the political aisle. Uh, because as you guys know, it is Black History Month. We will be celebrating all month here at the Rubin Report in ways that I can't get into on camera. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I meant. My whole team just freaked out. I don't know what, I don't know what that meant exactly. Yes, everyone calm down. Um, but let's jump over to The View because it is Black History Month. They had author uh, Clay Kane on and uh, Whoopi, was asking him about black Republicans and these Clarence Thomas types. What's the deal with them? You describe the current era of black Repub Republicans as grifters, and I, I say that's the right word for yeah. them. What, but you need to explain to people what you mean when you say it, and what made you decide to write this book? Well, first and foremost, I wrote this book because I care about this country, mm -hmm. and I've been so saddened at the direction that it's going in under the Republican Party. It's really broke my heart. And when you think about the original black Republicans, they were the first progressives. They were the ones that pushed Abraham Lincoln into emancipation. They were the ones that forced him into glory. After the Civil War, they are forming communities that will help black folks and poor white folks. So I wanted to examine how did black Republicans go from Frederick Douglass to Clarence Thomas? Yeah. How did we get here? How do we get here? And so what I realize is now, the current version, they are grifters. And what I mean by that is somebody who is 
hustling and scheming that will say anything and do anything to get access to power, even if it means demeaning your own community. And in many ways, they provide racial cover for the issues in the Republican Party. So this book is also about the downward spiral of racial politics in the GOP. It really is incredible with these people because they really only need a mirror to figure out what they're talking about. Uh, before right. I let you guys jump in, I just want to say that, that when he mentions the black Republicans of you know 200 years ago or 150 years ago and calls them progressives, yes, because they were progressing towards equality, which has nothing to do with the movement towards equity is all about now. Um, but Daisy, why don't, why don't I start with you here? I mean, first off, just the, the endless obsession with race on these shows and that so many seemingly, the reason I play these view clips all the time is because it's on at the exact same time as this show. It's on right now live every day at 11 a.m. And that so many seemingly middle-aged suburban women are, are constantly being bludgeoned with all of the wrong ideas on this show. Yeah, it is along the wrong ideas. And I, I'll never understand how um, Democrats, liberals attach victimhood to melanin in somebody's skin. Mm -hmm. I just don't understand that. You know, perhaps it's because I'm I'm a Gen Xer, so I feel like we were starting to get we were away from that, and now yep. we're we're hurling ourselves towards more, you know, race peddling, and people are doing that. And it's it's so crazy to me how he talks about Republicans being grifters when it's it's such gaslighting <laughs> because that's precisely what they're doing. It's race peddling. It's they're they're the total grift because they're yeah, using you, people's race. Yeah. You do you do get all those big endorsements by being a black or or gay or whatever Republican. That really is how to endear yourself with mainstream culture. Uh Mock, um whoopee. <laughs> what is going on with this woman? Everyone, you know. <laughs> Daisy, you just mentioned Gen X. It's like, we're, we're all kind of roughly the same age. It's like, we had put this stuff all to bed and everyone loved people like Whoopi. Yeah. You know, if you would have said Whoopi from 1998 to Whoopi now, but this seems to be what happens with so many of these, I hate to call them liberals because they're not even liberals, but you get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a stunning lack of self-awareness on their part. I mean, the way that they don't hear the projection that they're, that they're doing with these ideas, you know, uh, it, it's it's stunning to me to hear them say such racist things as if you don't agree on something uh, in terms of a political ideology, then you're automatically only you're pretending for a grift. You can't possibly think differently on your own mm -hmm. as an individual without it being tied to a, a money scheme like they are defining themselves for us openly. And yet they don't see that we see that. And it's right. an, it's amazing. Yeah. Also, Clarence Thomas, it's like there's a lot of things you can do when you're a high-powered legal mind that will make you more money than being a Supreme Court judge. Or if you were to look, I hate the idea of just like listing out black conservatives, but, but Larry yeah. Elder. And how about this clip from Thomas Sowell debunking everything they just said? This whole notion that this is, the black family has always been disintegrating, that, that is nonsense. That his, his studies go up to 1925, the great bulk of black families were intact, two-parent families up through 1925, and going all the way back through the era of slavery. So it is now only within our own time that we suddenly see this inevitable tragedy which the welfare system says is going to rush into South. Black people have never supported, for example, affirmative action, quotas, anything of that sort. Wherever polls have been taken of black opinion on such matters of should people be paid equally or should there be this or that, black people have never taken a position that you describe. So it is not a question of what black people chose to do. It's what you, you choose to put in the mouths of black people. It is what you choose to, to project. It is not what 
any black people have ever said anywhere that you can put your it's finger what you on. you choose to put into the mouth of the pollsters, as far as I can see. I look at the leadership of the, of the black community. Like most people, I have never seen a pollster. If you look at the leadership <laughs> of the black community. Uh, you think judicial activism, uh, doctor, has hurt blacks. Uh, judicial activism of uh, eliminating restrictive covenants in deeds, uh, um, eliminating segregation in schools, uh, one man, one vote, literacy tests. Do you consider those judicially active? Well, as regards restrictive covenants, uh, I can see no evidence that they did anything other than make some people feel good because it was symbolic. Are you saying that the variable in success or lack of success is the culture of the particular group? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Mark, I don't even know that we need to be on the show because we could just do an hour of Thomas Sowell and that right. would be just fine. That's how I always feel when we play clips of him. Um, but, but here's a guy who you know, began as a Marxist, as he's talked about for a long time. You know, he's mm -hmm. up in his, in his 90s now, still, still at it. But purely just laying out that it's the Democrats really whose policies have not only destroyed the black family but then kept so many black people in that cycle of poverty and everything else. But I suspect they're not that interested in that on The View. No, they're not interested in on The View. What a national treasure Thomas Sowell is. Gosh, um, yes. I mean, uh -huh. God. Um, but, I, you know, it's interesting to see, obviously, those are older clips. And, and when you hear him talk about the fact that it is these sort of white guilt-ridden uh, mm -hmm. people who are putting this on, they're projecting it onto the black community, I genuinely don't know if that's that was true when Thomas Sowell was talking about that. But now you see so much of the black community buying in to all of this victimization. They're screaming for reparations. You see much more of that. And so I would love to believe that what Thomas Sowell just said there still applies, but I worry that it applies less and less. Daisy, you're white, according to my paperwork here, um, <laughs> and you're a woman, also according to my paperwork here. Yes. We did a lot of research today. Accurate. What can we What can we do to the to the white Gen X woman who is confused about all of this stuff and that refuses to vote the right way? I mean, I I really think there's an there's an opportunity to get these people now because they see, you know, these women because they see the border, they see the problems with education and everything else. The Republican messaging doesn't seem to be particularly enticing, I suppose. Oh, my God. The Repu yeah, well, the Republican Party in general, I think, is completely falling apart right now, as, it, as evidenced by, like, Ronnie McDaniel and um, people who we have in charge of the Republican Party. It's it, We, you know, I think that the, the Republican Party, for me at least, has always been about the individual, personal responsibility, um, fiscal responsibility, things like that. And so when I see stuff like when we're talking about, you know, Whoopi, and all this nonsense that she's talking about grifting and, and whatnot. I, you know, there are black people out there who think for themselves and they are conservative and they are, you know, Republicans. There are white women. There are women in general who are conservative, who are Republicans. And I think that that um, goes against the narrative. And so it's, I think we just need to know that we can buck the narrative and you can be whatever you want to be in this country. You can do whatever you want to do and to hell with the narrative. Yeah, I want I want to stick with I want to stick with that Gen X thing you said for a moment before because I, I've been mentioning this a, a lot on the show. We had settled this. I am forty seven years old. It was not cool to be racist. It was not cool to be homophobic or just any of these things growing up. We've ushered it all back in. Do, do you guys see a way that we can really push it back? I mean, I guess just keep exposing it like we're doing here. But do you really see a, a way that we're gonna get rid of this, or is just, this just kind of the new American? Thing, Mark. It's our, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I man, I I used to be so optimistic. <laughs> you can she ask was Daisy one. about this. Yes, she was. I was the one that was like everybody love everybody, and you know, and now I I feel less and less hopeful. Except that you do still see signs of the pendulum swinging so far mm -hmm. that it has to right itself, and so. Yeah. Oh, I, you know, Daisy's really good at finding those signs and showing them to me and saying all hope is not lost. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we, we notice those in some young people that we see today. So there are a lot of examples that kind of lead us to believe that maybe the progressive left has gone so crazy that now we're going to see a correction. You know what I mean? Yeah. I see it in my kid. I mean, I have a 13 year old Dave and I, a 13 year old girl. And I see the girls and the boys that she hangs out with. And, you know, I think that a lot of, what, are, what is that? Is that Gen Alpha? I don't even know what they're called. Is that what they're called? I don't know. <laughs> are they I Gen Alpha of, 13? I don't know. I, have, I guess. I don't know. But I, I see what they Gen screwed? Do. I don't know what they're right. called. Yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. But I Gen see sorry these, about all that? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Gen, oh my God, what is this world? Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I see these kids and I, I think that they are a little bit more like the Gen Xers in, in the way that, you know, they're looking at things and they're like, some of this stuff is so whack. Like, we've got to have the pendulum swing back to at least like a little bit of normalcy and just common sense. Cause these people are freaking crazy, you know? I mean, they've gone off the deep end and they're rejecting some of the, the craziness. And I, and I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Speaking of whack and crazy people who've gone off the deep end, we have a clip from CNN for you. Uh, Dana Bash had an interesting uh, theory, which she calls a right-wing conspiracy theory, although I think it's kind of a left-wing conspiracy theory, that Taylor Swift is going to swing the election. Enjoy. Have you heard the latest conspiracy theory making the rounds? Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, and the NFL and the Democratic Party are in cahoots to get Joe Biden reelected. But stay with me. Prominent right-wing figures are speculating that her relationship with Travis Kelsey is made up and that the Super Bowl will be rigged for Kelsey and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the end game is Swift endorsing Biden after the big game. Here are some of the messages, I'm trying not to laugh, uh, circulating on social media. Vivek Ramaswamy, I wonder who's going to win the Super Bowl next month. Podcast host Mike Crispy, the NFL is totally rigged for the Kansas City Chief Taylor Swift. Mr. Pfizer, Travis Kelsey. Lara Loomer, a self-described Islamophobe who has been embraced and promoted by Trump. They are going to use Taylor Swift as the poster child for their pro-abortion GOTV campaign. Right-wing media personality Benny Johnson said, Taylor Swift is an op. Daisy, is Taylor Swift brought to us by the CIA and the deep state? God. Or is she just okay. a pop star that young people are into who happens Listen, to be sleeping with a football I, star? <laughs> I am I am the I am the person who will entertain conspiracy theories. I am that girl. I am your girl. I will sit down and listen and like wear the tinfoil hat with you. But I think this is all kind of ridiculous, okay? And you can separate a relationship between two people and think, okay, well, that's real. And then also at the same time, simultaneously go, okay, the NFL may be a little rigged. You know, you can believe both are true, but no, I think that they're just having a relationship and that's that. And I also think that her music sucks. I can yeah. also think that. I sat through three hours of that movie with my 13 year old and it was hell on earth, you guys. And I did it, <laughs> I took one for the team, but I don't, listen, you, 
No, I don't think that it's a conspiracy theory. I, 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 don't, I don't think this has a lot of, or holds a lot of water. I don't even I know don't. what movie that is. Did she it was, have a movie, too? She had a it's, movie? Well, it's, listen, in lieu of, of paying, like, I don't know, taking out a oh, second mortgage could, on my house to take her to the concert, it was you that, could like, that movie. It was Taylor Swift. It was her concert, basically. And it's three hours long, and I wouldn't recommend it if you want to keep your sanity. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, the reason I wanted to show this clip, it's not like it's the most, most important thing in the world, but I thought it illustrated something interesting about the tension between mainstream media and online media and everyone else calling everybody, sort of like the clip before, a grifter or a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. I know most of those guys from the tweets that they mentioned. Like, I don't agree that this is some grand conspiracy. But then the way CNN covers it as if this is the thing we better be watching out for, it, it's all just making everyone dumber. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. Th this is the stupidest thing. And I feel like it makes conservatives look really bad. The more that there's this hype about it all being rigged. I mean, I, I agree that it, this is just two people that happen to be in love with each other and they're both very, very big in their careers right now. I don't think it's any more than that. I happen to enjoy the Kelsey brothers a lot and I'm enjoying like the relationship. I know people get tired of seeing her and them and like the NFL is really capitalizing on the fact that she's bringing in a lot more fans and they should like, why wouldn't they? But the fact that this is somehow rigged and that people are acting like, oh my gosh, the end game is that she is going to endorse Joe Biden. Of course she's gonna endorse right. Joe Biden. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, right. As if, surprised by that. This is as if they need so to rig. Right, right. As if they need to rig the Super Bowl so that that will trigger <laughs> right. the ability yeah. to then endorse Joe Biden. Right. Yeah. It is, it's it is, nonsense. The Kelsey brothers are confusing for liberal feminists, though. You got to admit, because those are two kind of toxic masculine dudes <laughs> that they're I mean, they have there's they're sort of being force fed this whole scenario. And you know that all the liberal feminists are like, I don't know what to think about this because they're in a relationship. You've got the other one. I don't even know what his name is. Who's the other one that looks Jason. like a Viking? He looks like a Viking. Jason, Jason, yeah. Jason, yeah. yeah, so that guy, he, I mean, they're very masculine and these chicks are not used to liking that. And they're being forced now to like it because, you know, Taylor Swift is the poster girl for feminism. So it's, a, I think it's weird. Like they're all in a, a state of like existential crisis or something because of this. For the record, I will take Dolly Parton every time over Taylor Swift. I just want to Me put that too. out there. Um, <laughs> ben Shapiro had some uh, cracked analyzation of the Taylor Swift situation. And putting aside her politics, um, I would imagine that Taylor Swift is pretty much your idea of, of a good role model, isn't she, for young, young girls in particular? I mean, my, my only critique of Taylor Swift is that she's 34 and all of her songs sound like a 17-year-old going through her first breakup. That, that's my only critique is that she's two years younger than my wife. My wife is a doctor and we have four kids and Taylor Swift is 34 and single and still acting like she's in the dating pool. And that, that's my only critique of Taylor Swift. I, my, my great hope for Taylor Swift is that Travis Kelsey proposes to her. She gets married to Travis Kelsey. They have lots of babies and a bunch of young feminist women decide that actually marriage is not the worst idea and they get married and have a bunch of babies and we can have the Taylor Swift baby boom. Ben Shapiro's yes, wife is a it. doctor. I did not know that. I can't believe you it. You didn't know that? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. That was a joke. That was oh, a joke. Okay, I was going to say. Uh, he talks no, about that quite a bit. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that, what Ben said there at the end, wouldn't that be the beautiful thing here? And it's almost why you really can't stop the truth. And it doesn't matter what she thinks politically right now or anything else. But if they actually got married and were in a good relationship and started having kids, wouldn't that be the ultimate force field around the rest of the, the cultural nonsense? 
that surrounds yeah. them. Yeah. It I'll throw it anyone there. Who wants it? And then think, too, if she said something, say she had kids and decided to take a break from her career and talk about the amazing choice of motherhood and mm -hmm. how it's changed her, the world would be set on fire. Like, people would not be able to deal <laughs> Then right. I'd be or, here for it. I would be or here for I it. guess I guess she could go the Britney Spears route and wasn't she like juggling knives in a hotel room in <laughs> Vegas? That that didn't work out that well. Uh, yeah. but uh, yeah. Michael Knowles, also on the Daily Wire, Ben's colleague, uh, wrote this on Twitter and I thought I thought this is just the right idea here, regardless of whether you care that much about Taylor Swift or not. Taylor Swift is temperamentally conservative and the right should cautiously stand her. So that's that's kind of the idea there that she might as okay, fine, she's 34 acting like a 17-year-old, but if the shift happens happens with her, uh, the right may want to be uh, careful because she, she wields a lot of power, Daisy. This woman cannot be stopped. I mean, I guess she, I don't know. People talk about her wielding a lot of power and, you know, when it comes to voting and stuff like that. But there again, I, I go back to my 13-year-old. I, I can guarantee you that um, some of these young girls th that listen to her music and love her and they're total Swifties, a lot of the 20-somethings that, that can actually vote, I would hope and I I believe that they're not going to... I know some people in my life who are, are older young people who are of voting age that will not vote for who Taylor Swift is voting for. You know? So I don't, does she really wield that much power? Does she? I don't know. I don't, I don't think you'd want to get dumb. on her wrong side, you know? It seems like she can have things done to people. Uh, speaking to speaking yeah. of another woman that you don't want to get on her wrong side, the big story this week, obviously, in, in Trump land was that E. Jean Carroll won her defamation lawsuit against Trump. So she won, she was awarded by the jury $83.3 million. This is not a guilty verdict in that he raped her. It is about mm -hmm. defamation, meaning he said mean things to her. Now. To me, this is a little odd because accusing somebody of rape seems like a pretty bad thing, so maybe he should be suing her. In any event, uh, we've got a tweet up explaining what I just said there. Jury orders Trump to pay $83.3 in damages for defaming E. Jean Carroll, and uh, here is E. Jean Carroll after the verdict. You said you want to do great things with this $83 million settlement. Give us an idea about that. Don't want to waste money. Well, I do have an idea. I like to... It's. I'd like to give the money to something Donald Trump hates. If it will cause him pain for me to give money to certain, to certain things, that's like? my intent. Well, perhaps a fund for the women who have been sexually assaulted by Donald Trump. Mark, I, I don't know what happened, truly. I don't think anyone, I think there are two people who know what either did or didn't happen, and it's E. Jean Carroll and Donald Trump. I, I don't know that anyone knows anything beyond that. Again, he was not convicted of rape. But there has been something about her media tour this week where she's on Rachel Maddow hysterically laughing, saying she's gonna buy her an apartment and then they can go shopping in Europe and all of the rest. That feels extremely inauthentic. I do wanna be careful with my words because I don't want her to sue me. Right. <laughs> right. Well, right, I was just gonna say that, I mean, I want to tread lightly because I just wanna make it clear, this is my opinion, but she is a lunatic. And so, <laughs> I mean, that seems factual. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that means. There's no getting around like mm -hmm. all the the videos of her that that I mean, going back to that interview that she did with Anderson Cooper, where yep. she was talking about how rape is so sexy. Yeah. I mean, the woman is unhinged. And so uh, this judgment is extreme, obviously. But I, I do think Trump 
you know, always seems to be his own worst enemy. Um, and so when he gets judged, there's a judgment for $5 million uh, because he defamed her. The wrong thing to do is to keep saying the things yeah. that you just got the $5 million judgment for. And yet that's exactly what he did. So they were like sharks in the water and they were smelling all the blood and they were like, well, let's just sue him again. And then when his, you know, when he walked out during closing arguments, the jury there saw that as being disrespectful and they mm -hmm. were like, tack on some more money. So there's a lot of things that I hope, I think this is a ridiculous judgment, but at the same time, I hope that Trump steps back and starts thinking more carefully about <clears throat> continuing to do the very things that always get him into trouble. Yeah, because he becomes, he started to become like, Judd Nelson in the Breakfast Club, where he was <laughs> yeah. just like with the detentions, you know, where they, yeah, yeah, like, another, yeah, can another. I another, can I have another, and he's yeah. like, not even close, bud. So, I mean, like, we got to 83 million, and it was just like, can you just stop, just stop it? And then, like, we're all like Marley Ringwall going, just stop, just stop, stop, yeah. So, we really want him to stop. I mean, even though we do know she is, you know, a couple sandwiches short of a picnic, this lady, and he so. should be able to say all the things, right? It's ridiculous totally. that he can't push back against something that he clearly feels is wrong of her yes. to say. And he tried to counter sue that was, that was dismissed outright or he lost that case. So uh, it's just a mess, but the amount of money, my God. Yeah, and, mean, the st and the star studded parties and the, you know, with MSNBC people and the, it's just, you're right. It's disingenuous. It's gross. It's all the, the people that are supporting her and, and they're calling her an icon, which oh I mean, what does that say to, women who have been brutally raped. Well, I mean, and also that's... just her, her affect on all of these shows, if you were in fact brutally raped by him at the, what was it, the Nordstrom's dressing room or whatever it was, yeah. it's like, I, I, even 40 years later, I don't think you'd be giggling and laughing no. about it and everything else. You'd, I nope. think you'd be saying, boy, you know, it was, it was a horrible thing that happened. The jury did the right thing. I'm gonna mm -hmm. donate this money to X, Y, and Z, but the tour, uh, but uh, do you guys think that they realize between the, the judgments and the trials and taking him off the ballots and everything else, that that is exactly the fuel that is, has uh, allowed for his resurrection here? Or do you think they know it and maybe, or do you think they want it because they think he's maybe easier to beat than some of the other people that have since dropped out? <laughs> I mean, I think Democrats, by and large, really, really want and are pleased that he seems to be becoming the nominee. And, you know, I, Dave, I was with you. Like, I was all in for DeSantis and was mm -hmm. just crushed that he got out. And I, to me, it's like, I just look at, at the country and I think, what are we doing? We, we threw away the best possible leader that has achieved all the results that he has, and we're we're going for a guy that has, is going to spend all of his campaign money on his trials. Like, what are we doing? But and, and so I, I do think, though, if Biden is the nominee, because who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, with yeah that, I mean, we have theories on that. Yeah, we're crossing our fingers so hard that right. it, it is Biden that Trump is up against. Because mm -hmm. if it's anybody else, I don't think he has a prayer. And Daisy, I hate to what say up? that. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I think that's why they've pushed him so far and, and right. caused that resurgence. But Daisy, what are those theories that you guys have on the Biden program? I, 
I personally think they're going to slip Gavin, the weasel, sleazy, greasy weasel Gavin in there <laughs> at the last minute. Like in May, they're just going to slip him in there. And it's going to be because of, you know, like his health, Biden's health problems, which clearly he like he has no idea where the hell he is. And so it's like he does, the guy is full on dementia. He cannot go four more years, you guys. I don't know how. But what do they do? What do they do about Kamala? Because it's not that you can just get rid of him and then you, you still have to deal with her and they know they can't Maybe. run her. So what do you do there? Give her a cush college job somewhere, maybe Harvard <laughs> or promise her a Supreme Court position. Right. I mean, there's a way there's I feel like, I feel like where there's a will, there's a way. And the Democrats are so good at just being awful. And they've <laughs> they've and so they'll find a way to do it. And but clearly, I mean, you look at the two people they have, they're terrible, terrible people and they're not doing a great job. And so but they're never going to admit that because, you know, it's just it's right now it's well, you just don't know who brung it to you. And so <laughs> that's that's the messaging right now. But I feel like, at you know, in the next couple of months, they're going to try to figure out a way to finagle a, a, another candidate because there's just no way Joe Biden can do four more years. No I'm way. praying for Joe Biden's health. Just really, really, really want <laughs> to really be the is. guy. Yeah. <laughs> he is the president. Then we have like, a shot. He's flying the plane at the moment. That's just the truth. Uh, Ladies, instead of ending on politics, what do chicks on the right do on the weekend? Mock you first. <laughs> Well, right now, I am scared of everything and everyone, and I want to just be at home all the time because the world is so crazy. <laughs> and it didn't used to be that way, but that is what I will be doing this weekend is chilling out at home with my family. <laughs> and that for seems... me, that's, I, I know, right? It's, I got to get her out of the house more, Dave. Yeah. I got to get her out of <laughs> And then for me, I, we, I have a, a state-level swimmer that she, I go to swim meets a lot. And then we also have oh, lots nice. of animals here on the ranch. We have Brahmin cattle, and I have lots of dogs. So that's what I do. <laughs> fun, fun. Ladies, it was good seeing you. Hopefully the world will correct itself by Monday, although probably not. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Dave. Great it was a pleasure. You. Have a great weekend. We'll have you guys back you soon. And for everybody else, post-game show coming up in about 30 seconds, rubenreport.locals.com. As they say in uh, Mexico, adios. <laughs> Here in Little Rock, we also saw the hottest day of the year in nearly four years, actually. Let's check in with, first, though, with Chief Meteorologist Keith Monahan. And Keith, are we looking for any sign of possible relief on the way? No. Back to you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubenreport.locals.com.